0: Well, welcome back to Bill Street Bullies. On this episode, I got my guy, Gary Parish. He's joining me, Tony Anderson, today to discuss his time, covering the Memphis Tigers, what it was like. We'll share some stories, get his insight on this season. Stay tuned. Today we have an ad by DraftKings. While the holiday season may be winding down, the sports calendar is in full swing this week. From collegiate to professional sports, there is no shortage of action and there's no better place to get it on all this action than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you haven't had... If you haven't tried out DraftKings Sportsbook, what are you waiting for? To celebrate this year's college football playoff, DraftKings has given all new users the chance to, be on, in, to bet on any semifinal team to win the championship at 100 to one odds that's right all you have to do is bet one dollar on any semifinal team to win the championship and if your team wins you cash 100 while we are all excited for football let's not forget the 2021 basketball season just kicked off to so head to the app so head to the app to check out all of drive king's daily odds boost drive kings is safe secure and reliable making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your own convenience download the top rated drive King sportsbook app now and use promo code field68 when you sign up to get 100 to 1 odds on any semifinal team to win it all that's the code FIELD68 for new players to get a shot at $100 on any semifinal team this week for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pente- in Pennsylvania only. Sportsbook apply. See drivekings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or an in Indiana call 1809 with it. A bunch of stuff. Uh, that's why I got you on here today with me.
1: No, it's my pleasure, dude. There's not a thing you could ask me to do that I wouldn't I wouldn't do for you. So I appreciate I appreciate you asking.
0: Uh no problem, man. I, I would love to start off and just kind of share a little bit about, you know, me a your time when you covered Memphis basketball and what was that like for you, um, you know, as a reporter and like how how how'd that go
1: for you? Uh it, it was my dream job. You know, if you would have asked me coming out of high school, you know, if you could have one job, what what do you want that job to be? I would have said, uh, I just want to cover the Tigers for the commercial appeal. And I ended up doing that at a pretty young age. Um, my, I was, I was the beat writer for four full seasons. I helped out for another one, but I was the full-time beat writer for four full seasons, which was basically it lined up to Rodney Carney's career. It, it was his four years at Memphis. So it was your my last year on the beat was your freshman season, the yeah. 2005-2006 season. And, um, you know, obviously after that season, that summer in 2006, I got hired by CBS and I've been there ever since. But I never moved. So even though I wasn't the beat writer after your freshman season, I was still around the program a lot and, and there for all of those runs. And I, I was just thinking about it earlier. You know, I don't even know if you remember this, but I actually came to Laurenburg while you guys were there and, and did a story. <laughs> and and, and it's sort of like the future of Memphis basketball is in Laurenburg, North Carolina. So I came there, and that's when I think I first met you. And then people always talk about the 2018 because it's an iconic team. You were undefeated into February, literally a second away from winning a national championship. But that 2016 could have, I always thought, could have won the national title. We're you guys... Good we the one seed in the West, and you're playing UCLA out at Oracle Arena, which I always thought was unfair. You're the one seed. They're the two, and you're playing UCLA in California, 18,000. It's a road game for you. Couldn't make a shot, and you lose that game. But if you would have won that game, the other teams in the Final Four that year, besides UCLA, were Florida, LSU, and George Mason. You would have yeah. been the only one seed at the final four now florida was awesome we know that now but florida was not a one seed you guys would have been the highest seeded team at that final four so when people ask me because sometimes this comes up you know john calipari's only got one national championship should he have more i'm like i don't know if he should have more but he's had teams that were at different points in time in a position to win one and that 2016 was was definitely one of
0: them yeah i agree i, I tell you all the time like people you know because you know like you said d rose and you play with these kind of people. And I'm like, I don't know, man, my freshman year, we were nasty, man, like, and, you know, Rodney, like, I was mentioning, like, Rodney, we talk about it all the time. Like, he was so quiet, but so effective, so dominant. Then when he, he messed up a couple of times off, like, off the court and had to, like, come off the bench behind me. And Chris, he never once complained. And he was, like, so encouraging to us. That was the most he started speaking to us, <laughs> you know, like, giving us pointers and tips. And, you know, like, I tell people, like, to see him and Sean go first round, back to
1: back picks. I'm like, we were so good. Only if those two made some shots that game we would have been okay. <laughs> I, I think the first three pointer made was like in for you guys was like in the final minute or final couple of minutes. I could not make a shot. And um, you know with Rodney it's interesting because the year before you guys got there was just wild. You know, I'm sure you've heard all the stories that you know <laughs> like you you know how it is guys come back to Campus in June usually, and you're working out all off season. That that season, Sean Banks didn't come back until the, literally the night before classes, and he had, he had lost a bunch of weight, and it was they couldn't get him to go to do anything. He and uh, OG got into a fist fight at Texas. I mean, it was, a, and it all led up to Darius missing those free throws um, in the conference tournament. But to go from that just circus to you guys coming in and really settling the program down and taking it to another level immediately, that was a that was a, a, an interesting two-year stretch for me because I went from covering a team that nobody liked each other. Like, they all hated each That team was divided in, in two halves. And I remember Cal one time, I've told this story a million times, but Sean, he was on Sean from the day they got there, and they could just never get through to him. And Sean and Darius, the team had basically – divided into Sean's guys and, and Darius's guys. And, and, and Cal stopped practice one time. And he said, I, I I just want everybody in here to know, he's talking to the players. He said, I'm, I'm with the kid. He pointed to D wash. He said, I'm with him. I'm not with the other guy. I'm with him. So if you want to be with me, like we, you need to come to this side of the room. That's how divided that team was. And then of course you guys get there and, you know, put together what is. And I said this when, when, uh, when it happened, and I think some Memphis fans took it the wrong way, but it was true, and it's still true today. You guys come in and deliver the best four years that we'd ever seen of Tiger basketball, and I think it'll be the best four years we ever see a Tiger basketball. I don't think that can ever be replicated. And my favorite stat from all that, I've told you this before, is that, you played with Derrick Rose, you played with Tyreek Evans, you played with CDR, you know who you played with, um, Sean Rodney. Every year you were on that team, you led the team in minutes play. You didn't lead them in, the, in scoring or whatever, but you were on the court more than anybody else. And I always, uh, you know, uh, uh, always understood that that's how much Cal trusted you. He wanted you on the court at yeah. all times.
0: Yeah. It, it, was, it was crazy because when we came into, I remember that first uh, week of summer school, and we knew Sean was from there. You know, Dre Allen had sat out there before. So, you know, Dre comes in with me, Doja, Sean, and Chris, and all of us, and we're playing pickup. And the first day, D-Wash is like, man, none of these dudes are McDonald's All-Americans. Like, why are you guys gassing them up so much, blah, blah, blah? And then, you know, Sean and Sean Williams and Sean Williams. Sean's like, shut the fuck up. Like, you know, we're all the same. We're all the same school, man. Like, we got, like, so we got in the locker room. Um, D-Wash was like, oh, I was just joking. And, and like, Sean was just like, Man, listen, man, we we just came from winning 40 games. We're not here to lose. You got sucked last year, man. Like we're gonna come help you guys win some games. And they were all looking at us like, yeah, right, whatever. And then, you know, as time went on, they seemed like after practice and we always did everything together. And like they started kind of like joining forces with us. You know, we just became a, a like a really good team. And you know, we kind of got dewashed. You know, wash was he had his moments, but you know, he was became more of like the team guy I was know very vocal and helping us young, younger guys and stuff like that. So it became it became something special, man. I think a lot of people see like, oh, just the wins, but like I've seen like, you know, you get behind the scenes, you see like the day in and day out, how people deal with Rodney Connie, how people deal with Derek, Coach Kyle how they deal with so many different personalities. It was crazy. I was shocked, honestly my freshman year, I got to play that much. I, I had confidence in myself. But I'm like, holy shit, these dudes are good, man. God damn
1: <laughs> like, <it was> <laughs> I can remember like you guys, it was one of your first workouts. And, you know, you're all there, you're all from different parts of the country. You know, CDR's from Detroit, you're from Massachusetts. Joey's from Baltimore, Doja's from Georgia. And so you all come to, and I just remember you, you, you guys were basically taking turns playing one-on-one and uh, against each other, sort of filling each other out. And to watch to watch you go because this is also crazy because it wouldn't happen today, you know. Cal let me in every practice. I was there every day, you know. I you know he he can't let people in practices at Kentucky because there's too many people. Um, you know, Penny doesn't really open it up for too many people too often. I was the only beat writer, you know. I, I was you know it was you know every every day at practice it was like me, Ken Bennett, uh yeah. well, you know Wes was there uh leon rose might be there uh tj might be there but it was like i was the only media member and so i got to see it every day and so that was um a just helpful from a basketball education perspective for me to be able to see what it looks like every day but then to watch it develop into what it developed into particularly considering you know i grew up a memphis basketball fan it was those were those were good times man
0: yeah man it was awesome man your time cover members I, like who was your favorite guy in those four years that writing with you? who was your favorite guy to cover man why was that like what kind of like what kind of personality to have that kind of attracts you to want to cover
1: that person I'll be honest and I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you you were always one of my favorites because you were always reasonable you you never acted like you were doing me or anybody else a favor when we needed you for something like you know I i been around enough basketball players, and all athletes, all people, that sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a chore. You know, like, you, you, oh, God, I don't want to answer these questions again today. And there were some, like, Tigers who, who were not, not rude, but, like, certainly you could tell they'd rather be do, doing something else. Um, but you never, you know, made me feel that way. So I, I always enjoyed dealing with you and then, you know, watching you, you know, become everything you've become, you know, like, super proud of you. You know, like I, I, you know, I know every basketball coach in America talks about, you know, use this sport to to better your life, to break a cycle, to get an education, to make a difference. Not everybody does it, but like here you are and you've done it. And so like on a, on a personal level, I'm just proud of you, but I always uh, like, love dealing with you. I, I love Sean. You know, I knew Sean and Andre since they were kids, you know, 14, 15 years old. So I love both of those guys, and I rooted for them like crazy, you know, because they're South Memphis kids, and that's a that's a tough place to break out of. And um, so I, I they, they were always cool. I like them. Um, I, I like jo- Joey just because he was he's Joey. You know, he's goofy and he so wild things. And in my business, it's 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 good when people say wild things. So um, you know, I I I would say looking back on it in those four years. I mean, the other, you know, I I, I got along with Jeremy Hunt a l- yeah. really well. You know, I I know that he's had his bumps um, both while he was there and 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 since then. But you know, on a on a one on one level, like I like him a lot and always um, always found them to be uh, easy to be around, easy to talk to. Um, Billy Richmond was another one who, who was fun because he would say, you know, just whatever you needed him to say and and then some. So when I look back on those years, I, you know, I, I remember basically everybody fondly, even D. Rose, you know, you know, he's very, at that time, very, very quiet. Like yeah. he didn't have much to say, but I never thought he was being rude as much as he just didn't have much to say. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I got along with, with pretty much everybody. It was... Um, it 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 was, it was an awesome group of guys from you know maybe similar backgrounds in a lot of ways but like from all different parts of the country and just being around it every day i i again i look back on it and smile
0: how how was that man like and i appreciate you thinking uh same thing about me because i think for me personally i was just more of the, you know like man like people—that's their job, man. They, you know, they cover us. They know they may not play, but they know, you know, like. And you know, I, I'm like, man, like you, and you don't want people. Oh, this kid's a bad person. Like a kid, just you know what I mean, just being an asshole and things of that nature. And that's why, for me, I just I, I didn't mind one bit.
1: Uh, well, was, there was there was you, one there was one time I I don't remember who the player was, um, but. We were all in the locker room because that's the thing. Like I was at practice every day. I was in the locker room after games. I was in, the, you know, I was at the Finch every day. And there was one player who was upset about something. I, I, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, it might have been Clyde Wade. Uh, and, and Clyde had gotten into some trouble. We don't need to really have to reaction, it, but he had gotten into, involved in some stuff. And, I, you know, it was my job to write about it. And I didn't, like, write about it. You know, I wasn't a columnist then, so it wasn't my job to, say, kick him off the team or anything like that. It was just my job to say, hey, this is what happened. This is when he's doing court, whatever. And I remember, I think it was him. Like, he was, he, and Clyde and I were cool. I knew him since he was in high school, too. And, and if I saw him today, like the last time I saw him, you know, it was, you know, hugging each other. It was great. But in this moment where he's under a lot of stress, he was a little like, you know, oh, you're going to write bad things about me again, something like that. Yeah. And I remember Sean Williams stepping up and saying, um, if it was Clyde, but it, I vividly remember Sean stepping up in the middle of this locker room where, frankly, I'm outnumbered, and Sean stepped up and said, if you don't want GP writing bad things about you, stop doing bad things. And I thought, you know, it, I was I was real appreciative of that because sometimes you need a player to step in if a player is getting out of line. I'm not going to be able to tell somebody to 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 calm down. That, that that nobody's listening to me. But when Sean Williams steps up and says it, it 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 calmed everything pretty good and like got a chuckle out of the rest of the locker room. So um, yeah, then, again, fun I times.
0: definitely had a voice, man. I, that's one of my girlfriends. And, you know, I, I met him my year in prep school and played against an AU before that. So it was definitely something to go for, man. Like, what was that like for you? You know, I think at that time, you know, Cal goes from NBA to Memphis, and then they have their years. You know, he brings in D-Wag, and he has Antonio Burks, and they have some some rocky years a little bit. They do well, then they do bad. And then he he comes upon all four years. How was that? Like, did his demeanor change as a coach? Like, the arrogance, and things of that nature? Like, how was that dealing with him?
1: I, I never really saw him change too much. And you're right. People outside of Memphis forget this. But those first few years were rocky. I mean, you know, the first year he inherited a, you know, whatever roster and, you know, they, they, they were not supposed to be good. But in year two, he had Wani, he had Burks, he had Kelly Wise, um, Scooter McFadden, Anthony Rice, uh, Earl Barron. Uh, Chris Massey, like that team was supposed to be awesome. And it just wasn't. It was pretty good for a while. Then, If I remember correctly, Kelly got hurt. And then they just sort of spiraled. They ended up in the NIT. I think they had like three NBA players on that roster. And they ended up in the NIT. And then, um, you know, like, I think the the first five years were not great. And I can remember this is funny now. Because, you know, people would be like, I can't believe we're paying this guy $1 million and now he makes like $10 million. (laughs) But, but it was like, he was not popular from, from day one. And then when you guys got there, the entire program just flipped. I mean, they went from struggling to make the NCAA tournament, struggling to advance in the tournament to barely losing at all. And I, I genuinely don't remember him changing too much along the way like he and I had our battles like you know we cuss each other out on the phone um you know we went one year where we didn't speak outside of a press conference setting for like two months but but ultimately even when he thought I was wrong or I thought he was wrong we we always worked it out you know like and and he never um really held a like like it was his decision whether I could be in practice or not every day, obviously. And even when I did things he didn't like, he would still like, you know, I, the door was still open. You know, I, yeah. he, he only shut practices down a handful of times the entire time I was there. And um, he had a unique ability to where, I, I, even if I knew privately he was he was pissed about something, whether he should have been or not, he just was. Um, if I was then in a press conference and I asked him a question, you know, sometimes like Russell Westbrook will be like, no comment or next question. He won't even talk to the person. Cal never did that to me, you know, in a public setting, he was always professional and, you know, obviously, you know, now I haven't seen him in a while because of the pandemic, but every time I see him, like it's, it's good. You know, like he, you know, I, I remember when Bradley was a baby running around the fence center, you know, I watched Aaron and Megan grow up. I've known Ellen since, I mean, geez, it's 20 years now. I saw Ellen last season at the Garden, and we spent, you know, 10 minutes together talking. You know, John was around when my first son was born. So, I, I, like, I don't want to overstate it. We don't have family get-togethers, you know. But but when we see each other, it's pleasant. And when I see um, Megan or Aaron or or any of them, it's it's always a good time.
0: How, how was that for you? I, I heard a story that you were on a private, uh, private jet to Bristol one time with Coach Kyle. How
1: was that? Oh, that was fun. So I, I don't even know that he really wanted me to go, but he. It was one of those deals where, you know, Memphis played on a Saturday and they didn't have they didn't have a game until the next Saturday, so he you know somebody at espn was like hey you want to come talking to cal you want to come be in studio we got a doubleheader on tuesday night you could be our special halftime analyst you know pretty you know all that he's like sure and, uh, you know cal he's like "Get me a plane I'll, I'll be there so they get him a plane and he sort of randomly to me um because i was like so what are you up to the rest of the week we were just talking like after practice or something he said well tomorrow i'm flying up to bristol i'm going to be in studio ESPN for their doubleheader, he goes, hey, if you want to go, you, you, you should go. And I was like, okay, I'll go. <laughs> so, so, then, so then he was locked in. So it was me, Cal, um, you know, uh, 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 rockefeller yeah, and, and somebody else. I think there was four of us. So we flew to Bristol, get in the car, um, or we flew to Hartford, got in the car, went to Bristol. And it was, it was fascinating watching him because the whole time, he's working on what he's going to say. And yeah. he's really doubling down on, you know, uh, uh, graduation rates and GPAs. And he keeps talking, like, to himself almost, like he's rehearsing. He, he keeps saying, you know, when I got to Memphis, we had uh, this percent uh, graduation rate. Now every player I've had for four years has graduated. We're on track to do ABC. You know how he is. And <laughs> – and um, at some point, I think Rock asked him, so are they, are, they gonna, are they talking to you about graduation rates in the middle of a Cincinnati UAB game? And, I, I, and this is perfect, Cal. He said, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. And if I'm on <laughs> national television and I want to get a message across, then I'm going to get that message across. And sure enough, you know, it's like a, you know, I, I don't remember who was playing, but – he had already called hugs on the way and was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna pump you guys up on on ESPN tonight and talk about your graduation rates and how good they are relative to the perception." So sure enough, they're at like halftime of a random game, and somebody's like, "So, uh, John, before we get back out to you know Purdue, whatever, um, you know, real quick about your Memphis team uh, this season, you guys are off to whatever and whatever start." He's like, "Yeah, you know, we're really, you know, you know, we got a long time to go, got some young kids, but." But we're playing well. But I'll tell you what I'm most proud of is that these kids really do it in in the classroom. I mean, our GPA right now is 3.8. Everybody is on track to graduate some early. And you know, I know sometimes historically our school gets a you know uh, uh, you know a bad label for that kind of stuff. But you know, we are on the right track academically. Cincinnati, by the way, with Bob Huggins, is also like graduating all their players. I know the statistics don't show it, but like if you look at who they got. If they graduate, you know, you know, they're doing it right at Cincinnati, too. And so that's one of the proudest things I am about You know, our league is, you know, the way we're not just winning basketball games. That's easy. But we are developing these young men into students who are going to graduate and are going to be productive citizens. Like, he just took it wherever he wanted to take it. And then we get right back in the car after the night, and he calls hugs. He's like, I told you I was going to do that shit. <laughs> and so it was just – it was and that is Cal. Like, you can still to this day get him at a press conference, on Zoom, wherever you get him, you can ask whatever questions you want. He will say what he wants to say. He, 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 your questions are merely a setup for him to say what he wants to say.
0: Yeah, I think playing for him, man, he was always very straightforward. Like, you know, I think even when we were in Longberg, you know, like uh, I remember we played in a showcase in the University of Charlotte. And um, he comes down and he's talking to us, you know, like he's talking to me, Sean and Dozier and Cooper. And he's like, man, like, I can't wait for you guys to get here. Like, you know, you guys, you guys going to help this program? I'm like, well, like, man, so Sean, Sean being Sean, he's like, man, don't feed us no bullshit, Coach. We ain't going to play this time. We ain't going to play. Gonna play. <laughs> like, man, I was afraid to say shit like that, you know? <laughs> but I like can get to know Coach. Coach gives you the, the freedom to, you know, speak your mind a little bit and things that I need. That's why I'm so shocked. He's one in six right now because he has talent and, you know, like, he gives you so much freedom, the only way you, you like, if you abuse that freedom by, like, not doing the little things he's asking you to do, go to class on time and, you know, be at practice on time and do this and do that. But, like, other than that, he allows, if you can score, he lets you score. Right. If you, you know, he lets you do those things, which is why he's been successful sending guys to the next level. But what, what's your take now, being a long-time Memphis fan, like, on the state of the program now?
1: Um you know, it's not going well this season. You know, we don't have to lie to each other. You know, they uh, have been favored in every single game that they played. And, you know, they've, they've lost, I believe, four of them at this point, uh, four losses to, to unranked teams. And so, you know, they're struggling on offense. You know, they still play hard and they still got some talent, but the offense is a mess. And it really has been all three years under Penny. Now, to his credit, he's not just digging his heels in and saying well this is the way we do things and it's going to work like he's trying to change it and trying to fix it but you would know better than i given that you've been through it i'd ask you like how difficult is it to change your entire offense in december
0: it, it, it gotta be tough um right. i was saying that to some of my friends last night we were watching a game uh, you know when i came, when we came in coach put in the dribble drive uh right. and that. That summer, he's like, we're changing the offense. Well, like, we don't even know the offense. He's like, it's even better because it's gonna be harder for the the older guys. We it had, we had things going, and it probably took us from when you know they start like the little um, you get to practice like an hour or two hours a week or something like that in the summer or in the fall. Right. So we were, he would incorporate the things in, like in those things, and then in our individuals, he would incorporate certain drills. But it probably took us, man. We didn't even our first year, even though we were good, like. We probably didn't get it clicking until like January, to where we understood it. So I see like you know, oh, they're changing offense, and I think Penny is trying to simplify things now for them because you know people are looking at it like, oh, like he's doing this and doing that. But I think he's trying probably trying to make it simpler. I was watching last night, and little screen away, down screen, little flex screen, just the basics to kind of get them to like, okay, shit, like, oh, I can be opener here or there. And I think they're gonna be okay because they can defend, you know. And I think offensively. It's hard because, you know, uh, Landers, is very good score. You know, DJs, they're all trying to find themselves. And I'm like, man, I think, like, if they're playing for the NBA, that is showing. But if they're playing to win, it'll flow. You know, I think they'll press pressing a little bit, too, to put up numbers and try to get out. And, you know, it's kind of hard when you do that. You can't play. You won't ever play well.
1: I, I would contrast it with, with you know, your guys, whatever team from your four years. Like, you guys had clearly defined roles, whether Cal gave them to you or whether they, they just sort of developed on their own. But, like, you knew what your job was. And, yeah. and, and Joey knew what his job was. And even when D. Rose comes in and, you know, he's, you know, an otherworldly talent, he didn't come in and, you know, he wasn't trying to be the leading scorer. He wasn't trying to get every shot. He, you know, he was the most gifted player on that team. CDR was the first team All-American. And yeah. so I always, um, you know, I, I I look back on those teams and, like, you, you knew, and I, I'd let you describe your job better than, you know, you, you could do it better than I, but, like, you know, you're going to be big physical guard. You're going to handle the other team's best perimeter, uh, you know, score. Um, and you're going to be – you know, a, a ball mover on offense, you'll, you'll score in transition if you can, but like you don't necessarily need to get a ball screen so you can get a shot off. Like there's other people to do that. You knew what your job was. That's why you were on the court all the time. I, I watched this Memphis team and I don't know if everybody knows what their role is. Like I, I wonder if I pulled each player aside individually and I said, okay, what do you need to do for this team to win? I don't know that they would all have the right answers. And, and that seems to be a little... A, a little a little problematic
0: yeah I, I agree man I think if, honestly watching Alex is my guy I think he reminds me of me so much you know he's the point guard and he defends he's scrappy he's tough as nails and I think he understands what's expected of him he doesn't try to take wild shots unless he says you know what these guys don't want to shoot or things like that for me personally Kyle will just Cal will say oh you know Cal had that table at the bench yeah Right in a half court and he would he would scroll his chair around on her bouncy ball and he would just say well he'll define Rose, you know, like internally like you're gonna stop XYZ. If you're open, I don't care if you take a shot, you earn that, right? You know, transitioning dunks, layups, get you, you know, you make plays, you make passes. We're not gonna call a set for you. Right. You need know, to right. feelings. I d I didn't give a shit. I wanted to win, I want to be on the floor, that's all that mattered to me. And you know, when Derek comes in, you know, he tells Derek. Same thing, you know, he said, Derek, you're going to be the, the engine. You're going to create, score layups, make things easier for everybody. Chris Douglas is going to be our scorer. Right. You know, like, and we all accepted it, you know, like, the year Sean comes in, he tells everybody, you know, Rodney, Darius, and Sean are going to be the guys who shoot the ball. Right. If you don't like it, beat it. Right. I don't care. I, like, I'm here, I just want to play. And I think it was kind of aggressive, but at the same time, he he lets you know from the beginning what's expected. You know he's not telling you you can't shoot and you can't have the ball. But he here's the guys that gonna can put the ball in the hoop. Everyone else, you a basketball player, you can figure things out within the offense. And I think that's what kind of helped us because no one was jealous of anyone. If Rodney scored thirty, or Davis scored thirty, or Sean, everyone was happy. You know you know I think watching these young, they they're not even young because you're a freshman, you're a sophomore, you play your freshman minutes as a freshman, you're not young no more. Right. And, you know, so seeing them, I think Penny probably defines roles, but it's hard when you have a lot of guys who come from strong parents or strong families or AU programs or whatever case can be, and people in their air, like, man, you see seen this guy getting drafted, this guy doing this or this guy doing that, and it can probably be tough. And I think they're dealing with a lot of that amongst one another, and they don't have to say it. But as a former player, like, as the people who watch, you just see they're not in sync at all. And you know, like they, they add Landers and they add the guy Williams and every, the freshman, uh, the bacon, But everyone else's been there already, so it should be it should be easy. You know, we added every year. We added some people, and they just they, if the formula is already in place, they they get it. And I think that's what's powerful.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, you know, the other thing that I think gets lost sometimes is. You know, it's so much because all these players have dreams of being in the NBA. I, I don't know that you know how many of them will be, but they all that, that that's still the goal for, for for the majority of the roster. And sometimes you know they think that you know I got to go get these shots or I got to go get these points, otherwise I can't go to the NBA. Like they, they, just trust me when I did. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The, NBA, the people in charge of NBA franchises don't care how many points per game you score. They don't care. Uh, you know, about anything other than can they see a translatable skill? Like, is there something you can do um, that can, that we can use? Because, you know, you hear this all the time. I've got a show. I can do this. I got a show. I can do that. There's like, you know, seven players in the world who can do everything. You know, like it's LeBron and it's KD. Like if you can do, if you can do four things really well, well, you're a, a future hall of famer. Like find a guy who can do, try to be, and I've had NBA people, Say this to me many times. Like I'd rather find a guy who is excellent at one thing than a guy who's pretty good at a bunch of stuff. Like, just are you excellent at one thing? And so you know that could be shooting. You're just a knockdown shooter. It it could be running a team as a point guard. It could be being an overwhelming perimeter defender. Just be awesome at this one thing. But the idea that you've got to go out and get these shots to show yourself to NBA people, like you're not. They don't need to see that. I mean, my, my one of my favorite. Facts from Cal's championship team at Kentucky in 2012 is that Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist went first and second in that draft. They were fourth and fifth in field goal attempts on that team. Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, the top two picks in the NBA draft, were fourth and fifth in field goal attempts on the team. They didn't need to get the shots, uh, not for Kentucky to win, and they didn't need to get the shots to go first and second in the draft. I wish more players at that age understood that
0: it's hard it's hard and like I'm sure for some for some kids you know like <clears throat> for me like I, and like when I watched I said to myself like man if I was on that team like you know like and I think Williams you know is trying to become a leader you know he's trying to step into that role being older and things of that nature but you know you see there's no to there's togetherness but there's no on the floor bring it in like come on low Alex tries right and, you know, and that's like I said. That's why I love him because that I just love that little kid, man. I just think he's the world, man, because he just plays so hard. Um, I think you know you see some of his teammates in the articles, like man, Alex did this. Everybody has to play that hard. It's not you know I think and it's that's the one thing. Like okay, Alex is the defender. Like Antonio was the defender, but I know Derek Chris Chris sucked that defense, but he's gonna he played hard,
1: right?
0: You know, it's just, it, it, and he would tell you he was my roommate. In, in the in the dorms, he was my roommate, and the on tr- the hotels when we traveled, he's like, "Man, I in cowboys every day I practice. You got to cover d roads, you got to cover." And you know, Chris hated it, but he knew when games came, Tone Tone does that, right? So we knew I don't have to bring up about Derek's gonna do that, Andre's gonna do that. You know, when I came out of the game, Andre's gonna put you in Andre's Small. But he's gonna he's gonna lock you up. Right. We Had that connection, and we trusted one another. And you know, I think watching too is, I see like. They sub, you know, they sub, constantly sub three, four guys. It's, it's hard to get into any kind of rhythm, like, you know, playing three, four minutes coming out. Three, minutes. Like, It's hard. I've, like, I've, I've,
1: I've always thought that, and, like, I, I, I acknowledge up front, I'm not a basketball coach. But the most successful basketball coaches that I've been around, they tend to they pick their guys. Okay, here's my eight, here's my nine, whatever the number is. It's usually eight or nine. And then you say, these are my guys who are playing. And we're not going to pull somebody out for a missed shot. We're not going to, you know, foul trouble, injury, or lack of effort. Those will get you pulled. Any other thing, like you're playing. Like we've we've been practicing every day. We know who's who. Um, We're not going to worry about hot, cold. These are my guys I'm running with. And when I've talked to players about it, you can play a little more freely. You're a little looser because you know, hey, I'm going to be in here for the next eight minutes. I'm going to be in here for the next eleven minutes. So, the 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 alternative to that is, you know, the way you know Penny seems to coach, which is, you know, running guys in and out. And what he would tell you is that if we're going to play at the tempo we're playing at, we gotta we gotta bring guys in and out. And and I'm I'm sure there's some truth to that. But what I think happens sometimes is the second you go in, you know, you ain't going to be in very long. So I, I, I better get this shot. There you go. You know, like I'm not going and, to, and if you miss it, you're looking over your shoulder instead of just being comfortable. Like, hey, I'm going to, like, think of it if you were, I don't know, um, at a bar and they said, you got, you got 20 minutes. You're like, all right, well, let me get a drink. And uh, you know what? Let me go ahead and get two right now. As opposed to you're at the bar and somebody says, hey, we're going to be here for the next five hours. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm going to look at the menu. I'm going to relax a little bit. I'll get a glass of wine. Like, it's a totally different mindset. And I think that sometimes in basketball, if you know you're probably coming out pretty quickly, you are more eager to try to make things happen as quickly as you can. And that can lead to some bad decisions.
0: Oh, definitely. I, I agree, man. I, I think, like, you know, I watch him. And I, I, we have so much talent. Oh, the talent. You know, you can see it. And you see just certain guys now trying to adjust the rules, and they don't It seems like, you know, they know them, but they don't play towards it. And, you know, like you can say, I, I don't, I can't, I'm not here to speak about on any program in the country, whether it's Tulsa or South Florida or Western Kentucky or VCU. Or, and Eric Maynard is my guy, and we I, he was talking trash to me. But we should beat those, we should beat those teams, you know, with the, ta- the, the, the talent that we have in place right now on a bad day when we're – when things aren't going, if guys are playing hard and scrapping and getting out in transition, which we don't do much, we we should be able to beat a lot of those teams. But, you know, I think, me personally, I think Penny's going to get the kids there. Now it's a matter of himself, you know, the guys on the staff coming together and kind of getting these guys rolling a little bit. You know, I think – I don't know how it operates. I haven't been to one practice. But, for instance, like when Kyle was there with us, Certain things like DK would do, certain right. things Barbie would do, certain things Robick would do, certain things Ross Strickland would do, Orlando Antigua they would do, Chuck Martin they all had. They came into practice and it's like, holy snap! How do they know like what time? And you know now you look back, like they had the sheets and it, but we it was so structured and they had their segments and they did, that you know Orlando would do things with the bigs and the defense and the shuffles and. I don't know if it's just dominated by a penny or if it's dominated by certain coaches, but it gotta be where cause these kids coming off and like everyone is kinda and when we came off, you had you knew what coach to go sit next to. You knew what they were gonna say and it would just made things a lot easier for us.
1: I, I've been in you know uh, some shoot-arounds and I will tell you that, that the attention to detail is impressive. And it's not just Penny's voice. You know, when Mike was there, Mike had a voice in these shoot-arounds. Cody Toppert had a voice in these shoot-arounds. Um, I, I honestly think sometimes they overload them a little bit, like with the attention to detail. Like I remember one time I was talking to Penny before a game and he was talking about the previous game and he said, yeah, you know, we went in at halftime and we, we showed them film. And I had never heard of a college basketball coach showing film at halftime of a game. I mean, did you guys ever do that? No,
0: never.
1: Right, I had never heard of that. And so I even asked some some college coaches, like, hey, do you show film at halftime ever? And they're like, no, we don't do that. And I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just saying it's, it's, it's unusual. And yeah, so yeah. Um, I remember one of the things, Cal, and, and you could speak to this or correct me if I'm wrong, but like, if you guys had a game tomorrow against, uh, uh, East Carolina. Cal wouldn't talk about East Carolina until t- t- ten minutes. Sure. Or the last practice, like the practice uh, before the game, t- Robic would come out for ten minutes and run you guys through like three things, and that was it. And I remember talking to Cal about it one time, and he said, "I don't want to. I don't want them thinking too much. I don't want them." Um, worrying about every little thing because they're not equipped to handle it let's just let's focus on these three things and if we if we if we're great at these three things we're gonna be fine and so like the prep for the opponent was always pretty pretty done pretty quickly and I, I I contrast that with you know I think the intentions are good like when you sit down and talk to Penny or Cody Toppert about what they're trying to do on offense it sounds great and they know exactly, I mean, they, they could pull out a piece of paper, draw it up. Okay, ball screen here. Now we're going to put the ball here. You got a shooter here. It it all makes sense. And I'm sure the, the players understand it in film room. Like you can stop the film and say, all right, uh, Landers, what are you supposed to do here? And he's like, I'm supposed to hit this shooter, coach. Exactly right. But I'm sure it all, but then when they get in the game, they, it, it doesn't work. And I think the, you know, sometimes, you know, Penny – it was an amazing basketball player, amazing vision, amazing mind. He could see things other people couldn't see, and then he could do things other people can't do. And I think sometimes when that's comes so easily to you, you don't understand why Alex Lomax can't do the same thing. Like, Hey, Alex, why didn't you see that? Well, cause he's not you, you know, that, that's, that, that's the most obvious answer. So I think sometimes they, they've been maybe overloaded a little bit with information. And then I don't want to oversimplify it, but, they talk all the time about a, you know, NBA offense. It's hard to run an NBA offense without NBA players. Like go, go try to run the Houston Rockets offense without James Harden. That That's not going to work anymore. And so um, I, I think you're right. Penny is now simplifying it a little bit to try to make it less about reads and more about just playing basketball. And I think that'll be helpful. But uh, you know, I, I've been around this long enough to know it, it can be hard to try to adjust on the fly in the middle of a season because, um, you know, it's, again, it's just – it's a difficult thing to do.
0: Yeah, it is, man. I, I agree. And I think especially right now, the time where your kids are already struggling, thinking a lot. You know, I think, you know, Cali used tell us all the time, you think you stink. And for us, we are very good defensively. And when I watched them last night, you know, I watched Alex, who could defend, DJ Debris can defend, and Nolas can uh, – Landers they can defend. And you watch these guys. And like Kyle will tell the guys on our team, okay, Antonio has – Rob McIver, he's right. going to shoot a lot of threes. He's going to shoot every time he touches the ball. You know, like internally going to fight over every screen. You're going to hedge and get back. It right. made their jobs easier. Right. I knew how to fight every screen. You know, but he knew I could do it. You know, there's going to be games where guys light you up a bit and they score on you. But my teammates, you know, Chris and those guys, they knew, like, we don't got to do too much. We don't got to overhelp. We don't got to – because I tell them, you don't got like, – if they beat me, Joey's behind me. Right. Two people who are defensive-minded, which helps. And I think that should help Memphis because Musa is back there. He's a little undisciplined right now. He's young. He's a freshman. But, you know, as time goes on, they have to be able to trust him back there. And it's crazy because Joey was Joey. And he could be a knucklehead at times. But he didn't file out of many games. He'll get in some foul trouble sometimes. And you're like, damn, we miss him. But for the most part, he, he knew when to go block a shot or when he could – People were intimidated by and so they would just throw the shit out the room before he even gets to him. Right. I just thought like, man, I want to share important him because like I know you you you're diehard members, man, and I watch it and I'm yelling at the TV and I'm like, come on, you know, like it's just being a former player there, man, and I know how how much it means to the city. And, you know, you see people, you know, say what they saying, you know, out of frustration. I last night was ugly, you know, but we won. So, you know, I think the one thing maybe, like, you know, to build off of, you know, like, one thing I loved about Kyle, my, I think my favorite thing, honestly, was when we watched film, we never seen anything bad. We, he never showed us anything bad. Like, if I had 10 turnovers, I didn't see one of them in film. He never wanted us to go out of the practice court or, like, after meetings, upset or just thinking about anything bad. Showed us when I took a charge or when someone did something well. If Joey made a free throw, just <laughs> enc- yeah, like <laughs> encouraging things for the team, and like it, we kind of like built off that, you know. And I think I, if I can say one word, like we spoke on earlier, was roles would be the biggest thing for me that this team has to find because so talented. And now, like I said, watching yesterday, I was intrigued to see like, oh, what Penny's gonna install, and it is so simple. He's making it. Him and Cody, they're making it. Okay, you guys, it can't be no easier than this. Right. You know, like, you hit, you cut, you screen it, come off the flex, and you down screen, you come up, got a shot, take it. And and then he kept running. He milked it. and I'm like, you got to love that because, like, you guys got to learn this. And I think, hopefully, they can get it together because I think they're missing the fans. That's another thing I said. And I, I, I could be biased, but I played there, and those fans – get you kind of going a little bit. You come out here in the music and people dancing and and it's like, "Oh, man." Like,
1: <laughs> oh, well, especially in this league, like Memphis has a massive home court advantage because there's, you know, Wichita State's got a great crowd, Cincinnati's got a great crowd. That's probably about it, you know, usually. And so you lose that home court advantage that can get you going and can also be intimidating because if you're a again a South Florida player, how often are you going to be in an NBA arena with 18,000 fans booing you you? Yeah. Yeah. like that's not a normal thing. If you're a a Big 10 player, then you're you know, you're doing that every night on the road. But like for for South Florida or East Carolina or, you know, whatever, you're not used to that and and it can it can become overwhelming and to not have that home court advantage, I I don't think there's any doubt. It 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 plays a role. Like that FedEx Forum fielded capacity is worth probably two, three, four wins a year. Just like getting you through a bad stretch, overwhelming another opponent, and to not have that, it's um, you know, it's not unique to Memphis. Nobody has that this season, but it's it's noticeable. Sure, like you could, you know, reasonably assume that you know comparable teams are going to take losses inside that building because. The you know it's hard to win on the road in a place like that, and now it's just a big empty building, and it, you know it's just a different environment completely.
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely tough, I, and I've seen that. Like even like Providence, they they don't play in the Dunkin' Donuts Center no more; they play in their their gym right. because you know it just makes more sense. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So what what do you see? What do you what do you see from the team this year? Do you think in your, you know I know you're an NCAA guy, the brackets and stuff. Like, what what's your vision? Like and there may not be no nit or anything like that. But what do you see this team ending up this year?
1: It's 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 going to be tough for them to get there. Not because they can't get good enough to get there. It's because you know right now they're they're sitting here with four losses um, to to either you know okay or you know mediocre opponents. And the problem in this league. Like, it sort of cuts both ways. If they were in the Big Ten right now, they'd get eaten up. You know, they, they might go, like, 3-17 and 17 in the league because there's, like, nine top 25 teams in that league. It'd be yeah. tough to get any wins outside of maybe Nebraska. Um, but, but the good part of that would be you could sit here on December 30th and say, hey, listen, we've got, you know, eight more games against top 25 teams. Like, we've got plenty of opportunities to build our resume. In the AAC, you don't have the opportunities. I mean, Houston – is last time I looked at it, the only top 50 team in the AAC right now. So how do you get enough good wins to offset these losses when they're not even on your schedule? That's a problem. The computer numbers are now not good. They're outside of the top 60 at Ken Palm. You you usually got to be inside the top 40 to to feel good about going to the NCAA tournament. They got a long ways to go to get there. So – the good news is that in this league, the, the talent will win a lot of games. You know, they'll they'll the talent will get them by. You know, they're they're not, I don't think, at risk of like finishing with a losing record or anything like that because they're just gonna have significantly better players than most of the teams they play. But my concern would be: have they already done so much damage to their body of work that there's no way to make it look good enough by selection Sunday? I guess I'd bottom line it this way. My guess is. Um, I'm certainly not hoping for this. Um, you know, my mother text messages me frustrated every time the Tigers take a loss. I want her to be happy. But my guess is that uh, they're going to head into the AAC tournament, probably needing to win it to make the NCAA tournament.
0: Uh, I, and I, I, I appreciate I think they have, the, like I said, we both said it, They have the ability to do so. Right. I think, me personally, hopefully it clicks at that moment that they get it going. Because, you know, you know, I think – we lost to Tulsa in a game we should have won. You know, Tulsa now beats Houston at home. Now you, I don't know, you still got to play Houston. You yes. Tulsa to again. I don't know how the league schedules working with the Cobra. Yeah, you, but. You
1: got, they, they still got two games against Houston, and then you could get Houston again. So, I mean, you could end up with three really good wins if you were to sweep Houston in the regular season and play them again in the tournament. But um, you, you they got you know, you to gotta, you gotta get drastically better if you're going to go beat that team two or three times.
0: Yeah, definitely, You guys, because I, I watched them and they're, they're fast, they're scrappy, got a lot of veterans, and you know they they know their role. You know, I think that's the one thing that helps Houston a little bit. And but I, like overall, I think Penny's turning the table a little bit from what we've seen from the previous year before he came. Um, and you know, not saying it was bad, but it was just it has been the same. You know, right. you know, like still haven't been in the tournament. And, things I nation, like it's like man come on like you, if you're in the city in a school like that the facilities are ridiculous compared to when I was there nice. like you gotta be able to make it happen and I think you know like I've heard Penny say before these kids also have to understand what they're playing for and it took me a little bit to understand it maybe but when you understand how loyal and how dedicated these people and members are to that basketball program you get a feel, like, man, I have to play my ass off, like, right? no matter what, like, they were, people in members respect grit and toughness over 30 points a game, and, then, like, you understand that when I'm wearing this jersey, this, once across my chest, these people are going to go above and beyond to lend a hand, like, you know, things of that nature whenever time comes, and it's ridiculous, because even myself, people are like, oh, will not you come back to Memphis and work and, like, we can help you get a job, and I don't know, thank you, I appreciate it, but you know, I'm home, coaching and things like that, so it's fun here, but they just love the Tigers, they just love the people that gave it their all, I'm like, like, so why not go, go out and like on a limb and fucking bust your ass every time you play, just for those people alone.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, and you understand it because you lived it, Um, you know, if you are a a part of a great Memphis run or a great Memphis team, you will be loved in Memphis forever. Like you will be able, you could walk um, into a restaurant in Memphis today and somebody would want to come take a picture with you. You could do that again 20 years from now and somebody would want to come over and take a picture for you. Like you're going to matter in Memphis forever because of what you did at Memphis in that uniform and the way you conducted yourself both both on and off the court. I'm not sure uh, how many of the current Memphis players properly grasp that because, you know, uh, you know, DJ's from here, Alex is from here, but think about this. You know, it, Memphis hasn't been to the NCAA tournament since 2014. So, like, Memphis hasn't been, gr- like, what Memphis basketball is supposed to be? Like, DJ was, what, you know, probably, you know, it, about this, in 2008, DJ was probably, like, eight years old. You know, like he he did.
0: What a man when I was in in school.
1: Right. Like he probably barely, like the greatest Memphis basketball we've ever seen, these Memphis basketball players didn't see it. They don't remember it. Or if they do, they barely remember it. So I think sometimes you you need um, to properly grasp what it is you're doing and who you're doing it for. And the great thing about that run you guys were a part of is that, yes, you know, you come in, then Rodney leaves, Sean leaves, and then, um, you know, D. Rose comes in, you know, Willie Kemp comes in, um, then you know, D. Rose leaves, here comes Tyreek. But there was always somebody there who, could, who, who had been through something good and could tell you how it's supposed to be done. Like I've heard this a lot from other coaches who have watched Memphis. They said, I don't know what player holds other players accountable. Like who, who is the guy who can, who can, not disrespectfully, but who's the guy who can grab somebody? And say that's enough you're not doing your job whatever like you could do that like you could have grabbed d rose you probably did in that yeah. 2007 he's about to be worth 200 million dollars he's about to be the number one pick in the draft a future mvp but if you told him hey you're getting too wild hey can't slow down he listened to you you could hold him and anybody else accountable and th- that there's a real value to that on a team and i don't know that this memphis team has that right now. I think you're right. I think Alex tries, but um, he certainly do- doesn't have the presence where I-, I feel like you basically at any point in your four years could have said, all right, stop, let's talk. And everybody would have listened and shown you respect and you could have gotten it straightened out. I don't know that they have a presence right now on in that locker room from a player perspective like that. And sometimes, you know, I- I- I've had coaches tell me, the best teams I've ever had are teams I didn't have to coach. My players coached themselves. Not, not that you know they were in charge of the game plan, but like they kept each other in line. They held each other accountable. If somebody like I remember John saying this all the time, like I shouldn't have to yell at you to run. I shouldn't, yell, shouldn't have to yell at you to work. Like let me yell at you when you miss an assignment, but don't make me yell, don't make me coach effort. Don't make me coach effort. Um, don't make me coach, um, you know, the, the things that you guys should automatically be doing. And if you're not, one of your teammates should be holding you accountable. Um, I think some of your best teams had that. And I don't, I don't know what this team does.
0: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, this team, honestly, you know, it reminds me of my the team i senior with Tyreek and all of us. You know, we lose Chris and we lose Joey. And for me, me and Doge are still there. Two guys who started, you know, I started four years. Doge started for three. And we through it and you know like I kind of sense that's what they're going through and we struggled in the beginning you know we go down to Puerto Rico we lose Mm -hmm. to Xavier and like you know we're frustrated and we get in the locker room and Tyreek's in his locker crying Wesley Witherspoon's in the locker crying and I'm like holy shit like you know like what like I'm I'm talking to him and then Chris Douglas in NBA at the time with New Jersey, he calls me he's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you're better than this. Like, you got to get this, you know, got to, and me mentally, I was like, damn, I'm missing my boys. Like, my gosh, you know, but he was right, you know, let me so I get on the, you know, we get on the plane. And, you know, we all got our own little space. But I tell those two, like, you know, sit with me a little bit. And we, we sit down, we're talking and we get back. And then, you know, Tyreek, you know, was on the wing at that time. And then I told Coach Strickland, I'm like, man, I'm not a point guard. I can't, uh, you know, like, I know he wanted, you know, Coach was trying to get Tyreek to score, you know, like make things easier for him. And Strick, Coach Strick like, tell, you like, tell Coach, you know, like he trusts you more than anybody. Like, so we get off the plane the next day, man, I call Coach Kyle. I'm like, Coach, man, like, can I come out of the house? He's like, come on, sure What's going on? Everything, everything good at home? I'm like, oh, no, that's fine. I'm like, Coach, I'm not a point guard. I'm like, in order for us to win, like Tyreek has to go to the point. You know, like he's he's honestly unstoppable with, with the ball. You know, like he can score at will. You know, like man, we get that boy with the ball in 22 games in a row. He never lost again till the NCAA tournament. Lose to Syracuse, and then we lose against this recent team. But like, it was like,
1: like get out the. No, way. you you went to if I remember correctly, you go to Gonzaga, and yeah. you blow them out. Yeah. We- and- and, and that's interesting. I had never heard that version of the story, but it's perfect. And it, 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 it encapsulates everything we've been talking about. Who on this team would go to Penny and say, I can't do this thing that you're asking me to do. Like, I, I don't know, most most players be like, I am a point guard, even though they're clearly not. You knew, hey, I can't do this. This is not where I need to be. This other guy needs to be doing this. Um, and, and that that shows a level of maturity. It shows a level of understanding and it, it, you know, it, it takes some humility, particularly you've been starting for three years, you've been in a national championship game, you've been to three straight NCAA tournaments, you've played with you know, NBA players. It takes a, 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 a level of humility to then say, coach, I appreciate the opportunity we're not going to be great with the ball in my hands. You got to let me do what I've been doing and let's put the ball in the hands of our next lottery pick. I don't know how many college players, especially seniors would be humble enough to have that conversation. Yeah, and yeah. you know, that speaks to why you were so successful and it might, be, yeah, it might play a role in, 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 why this team is, I'd, I'd love to to see some of these players say, you know what I've been, uh, taking eight shots a game, I probably don't need to do that. Like, let's not take them anymore. But you know, when I watch, you know, it, it does seem like everybody is happy to get the shot whenever they can get the shot.
0: Yeah, I, I was, I was so nervous, man. I was calling Coach Strick. I'm like, Strick, man, like. And you know, DK was at UMass at the time, but I was, I'm very close with him till to this day. You know, he one of the guys that he got me to Memphis, yeah. um, got me to Memphis, and he's like, just talk to him, and I, I'm like, Coach, I won't let you down, but like. I think I'm, like, afraid or anything, but, like, you know, you know, like, it was more, I think, I think it was more because, Coach, like, those three years, you know, I led our team in assists as well, even though I wasn't a point guard. And I think Coach thought I could, but I'm like, the ball handling wasn't my forte. I could just get in transition. I can make plays. If guys open, I can get him the ball. And, you know, he said to me, he goes, that's why I love you. The next day, Tyreek hit the basketball. We, we go on a tear. And okay. happy. You know, Tyreek wasn't never frustrated. But he was frustrated because, you know, Tyreek needed the ball in space. Right. And once he got it in space, it was layup city or or in one, or he passed the ball, you know. So we all started having fun again. And I think seeing us play, you know, we start um, Lester right now at the point. And it's for me personally, no disrespect to him, I think he's a great player, he's not a point guard. And what Penny's trying to – well, I can't speak on that, but what Penny's trying to – from my eyes, like, what they're trying to teach, unless it's uh, only oh, 6 6'6 point guard, get drafted and things of that nature. Like, it can't be that because Alex probably is the best option for us at point guard. He's not going to shoot a lot of shots. He wants to see the willing passer. He's going to defend, probably rebound better than a lot of guys on the floor as well. you got to kind of now get these guys back in their natural position because it, every time we get the ball in transition, we, like, stop. Getting half court and call a play when I know I can't, like I said, I don't know what they're doing, but watching Penny play as a kid and, you know, getting to know him when I was in college, he likes to go. And right. Then, you know, so I think mixing up lineups every other game is always kind of frustrating and bother those kids mentally. We just stick with five and look, everyone else you're going to come off the bench. Here's what we're going to do. And you're kind of, kind of ripped that way. So
1: Right. Like, like my experience is, is, you know, if you play eight guys consistently like uh, all eight guys are going to get somewhere between 25 and 33 minutes like that's the number and then the ninth guy is going to get 10 you'll have three guys who are mad at you all right and, and that's fine they go sit over here they, they, they can be mad if they want but if you start wildly messing with people's minutes like some one game somebody plays 25 the next game they play seven you do that enough ultimately everybody's mad cuz every nobody feels like they're getting what they deserve and so again there's a million different ways to to coach basketball you know john has done it the way he did it at memphis with you guys then his 2015 team at kentucky he you know played 10 guys and platooned them you know there you can do this a lot of different ways but um i do think sometimes simplifying it is is um you know and really dribble drive that that was a simplified offense i mean it was Let's hey, we got better athletes and let's 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 get people going downhill and then you know and like I've wondered and I'm not advocating they should switch to that now, but like everything I hear is like Landers not only can go get a shot, DJ can go get a shot, Boogie can get a shot, you know, Lester's a shooter. All right. Why not just let's get people going downhill and 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 let our shooters spot up and and maybe score that way. Like I don't know. Again, I'm not I'm not trying to pretend to be a basketball coach, but I do think and and again, it's encouraging. If I you know, it's encouraging for Memphis fans that that Penny seems to be doing this, just simplifying it a little bit is probably going to be beneficial.
0: Oh, definitely, man. And like and I think my last question for you would be like for me, you know, I know Penny diehard Memphis everything. Sure. Memphis, the city, this how how much he's involved in the community, the university and things of that nature. Do you think it's ever a or you know, Penny may say, like, oh, you know, like uh, the same for me? You know, like I got Buku zeros in my bank account. Like, this isn't what I need. You know, I obviously took a pay cut to, you know, coach at Memphis, you know, to help to help the university because of that fact. At what point does it get to him a little bit? Because he's a competitor. Sure. He, that, I know we used to play pickup with us. He hated losing, if he was on his team and you lost, he'll curse you out in two seconds. But you know, like, you gotta respect it. So, like, now as a coach, how patient can someone be who's such a competitor that way?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I thought about that. If he could just one day say, you know, my, my life was good. I was playing golf every morning. I got more money than I know what to do with. I was working with kids, making an impact in my community. Like, I don't need the stress of this. Um think about this, Penny Hardaway has been a famous Memphian for decades. And this is probably the first time he's ever been criticized by Memphians. Um, That's got to be a weird thing. Like, I don't care how famous you are, how rich you are. If suddenly, well, you heard Alex talk about it last night, Like, he feels like the city's turning on him a little bit. And I'm certain Penny feels like the city has turned on him a little bit. You know, when he first got hired, people outside of Memphis wondered if he could do the job, but people inside of Memphis were on board hundred percent. Now there are, you know, if we're being honest, some people inside of Memphis who wonder if he can do the job and that would bother me. You know, it, it would bother me if I were him, I'll put it that way. And so I have wondered if there was a scenario where one day he'd be like, cause like coaching, a, running a college basketball program is not just, you know, it's not just coaching. It's, it's, you're texting teenagers every night. You're, um, you know, getting on planes and going to watch high school games, and you know, in normal times, grassroots games. It's a it's a 365 day a year job. And so, at what point, if you've got tens of millions of dollars, maybe hundreds of, you know, well, I don't, I'm not uh, pocket watching. I don't know what he's got. I know he's got a lot. You know, do you say, you know what, I I could get up, work out, go play golf, work with some kids, come home, have a nice dinner, never text a 17 year old again. Like that's a nice life. I've wondered if he might do that, but I think what you touched on probably overrides it, which is he's an incredible competitor. And I don't think he would like to walk away feeling like a failure. Like he didn't do what he said he wanted to do. Now, what he said he wanted to do is win a national championship. I don't think that's the pass fail line. I think just returning Memphis to national prominence and respectability, that that is a successful job. And I, I guess I'd be surprised knowing him, you know, to the extent that I know him, if he would want to walk away without it being in a good place. You know, I I think he wants to taste that success and at least say, you know, I I took over a bad situation. I got it good. We went to NCAA tournaments. We won games. We filled the building. And now I'm going to turn it over to somebody else. I, I could see him maybe doing that someday. But walking away without an NCAA tournament appearance, walking away without, like, you know, taking it where it should be, I don't know if it's in him to just walk away. I, I think he's going to keep fighting. And, I, you know, and, 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 you know, obviously, he just got a new contract, and Memphis didn't have the money to buy him out of that contract. So um, for better or worse, and I, I hope it's better, and I do think it's better, but for better or worse, uh, they're stuck together for a while, Memphis and Penny. And so, you know, in, in any of us who care about that school, we, you just got to hope that, that they get things figured out.
0: Yeah, no, I, think, I, I agree. I think Penny's 1,000% committed to the university. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things where he's – that culture, he's trying to get that culture to have that competitive mindset he has. I – like, and I keep going back to Alex, but I know Alex played for him. And, you know, when, like, Alex, I read that last night and Alex, said, you know, like, you know, people – we were winning in middle school and high school, things like that, but I'm like, man, it's not middle school, high school no more. You know, you're a junior in college now. I think Alex is a junior. Um, you know, like, that shit doesn't matter no more. You know, like you have to make people love you again, right. and you love you, like what you did last night. You even if you didn't win the game, okay, Alex. Okay, that's Alex. We know that's it. you know. And I think that what what it has to be. They have to expect and see that every night. Like uh, everyone's not gonna expect Alex to go out and score twenty points a game. But what you seen him last night, being who he was, that's what everyone see night in and night out. Like that should that that's our effort. So that should never deter. It should never go down, go downward. And I think from the other guys, they have to kind of feed off that. You know, they got to kind of sense like I think some of the guys are just like whatever, you know, like whatever, man, like we core or whatever. And I think that's where Penny, You know, you hear him talking articles like we're, we're trying to turn this, we're trying to turn this page. We're like we got to get these guys to, to get it going. We got to get them to understand what it is. And I think what it is is that. They don't understand the importance of, like you said. It's not you may not win championships, but it has to be where when people play, members you're respected. Right. And you know, I was talking to my friends from home last night, and I'm like, you no, know, we played the UConn's, the USC's, the whoever, UCLA's. We played whoever. There was probably not one time in their mind they may have said among to another, but they're never gonna be like, oh, we're gonna kill these dudes. Right. We're gonna. No, you didn't think that way because we honestly would play UCLA or whoever. And we would think, oh, we're going to kill them. You know, like we felt and we knew we we're better than a lot of teams. And, you know, like you said earlier, my, our first year we lost to UCLA. Maybe we were a little too overconfident because we had about 25 points in the beginning of that year in the, at garden. the
1: Garden. At the Garden. I was there. And, and after that, did you guys play Duke at the Garden? Lost by two, yeah. Okay, so I, I remember that. And this speaks to exactly what you're talking about. Um, so you guys destroy UCLA and, and then you play Duke and Duke might've been ranked number one in the country. They were up there pretty high. Yeah, they and, Okay. There you go. And I remember after you guys beat UCLA, the, the media was there and they were talking to Andre Allen for whatever reason. And, and one of the questions was, uh, so what's it what's it gonna feel like to play Duke? Because it's Duke and Coach K and you know, and I remember Andre Allen saying, "What's it gonna feel like for them to play Memphis?" Like he was like he's like, "Don't ask me about playing them. We don't care about Duke. They're playing Memphis." Like and that that swagger um, was, I think, a big part of what you guys were able to do. Like you you were you were confident, without being cocky, confident. Like you had a sweat. People knew. They would walk when you walked on the court with Memphis. You know, you would you were dealing with some dudes that could they could you know punk you by 30. Like mm-hmm. when you guys ran through that 2008 tournament and you, you know, D Rose like in consecutive games destroys Drew Neitzel and uh Augustine and EJ Augustine and and, 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 Collison. Yeah. and I think Collison like checked out of the game, like he fou- like his fifth foul was like, just get me out of here. You know, that's the way I remember it, at least. Like, yo, get me out of here. And you guys were, I mean, you you were up a billion on Michigan State at the half. Like, you had a certain aura to you walking a bit. Like, you know, you, 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 looking back on it, people thought, oh, Memphis is the most talented team in the country. UCLA was the most talented team in the country. They got Collison, Westbrook, Kevin Love. I mean, you know, Kevin Love and Westbrook might both be in the Hall of Fame someday. So... <laughs> But um but but you guys carried yourselves like we don't think anybody in the country can beat us, and y- you're almost right. And and I, I don't know that this team carries that same sort of Memphis swagger. And I think it's probably because they never seen it, and they're not old enough in many cases to remember it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. I think yeah. Hopefully, they get to it, man. I, I know Penny personally, and I think. And I don't even think I know what he wants out of him. You know, he wants them to carry that same swagger that we had, the same swagger he has. You know, like Penny, when he, you know, you hear him speak, and he walks into recruiting places. I have, I know some AU guys here, like the guy Musa played for for expressions, and you know, like my guy TJ, who you know, and like a bunch of people, and they're like, you know, from the, like they tell me, like, man, when, when Penny walked into recruiting. He walks in there like, I can get the same guy John Kyle, can get, Coach Gain can get, and he has that confidence. And now his guys have to have that same because, you know, with Coach Cow, Coach Cow would come in and say, you know, like, we got this person coming in. Like, we got, and, you know, we had three-point shooters, Donald Mack and Robert okay. Saddam, these guys, and Coach Cowell would just tell them, you have, three, you have three shots. You got a big one, you're coming out. Like, okay. But they knew what he was going to say don't go in there and try to shoot a layup or try to do anything crazy. Because you're here to shoot, make threes. If you can't make one, sit. Right.
1: And, right.
0: You know, it was just rules were defined. Everything was understood. You you were upset. And of course, Kyle's favorite line, you don't like what I'm doing here. And you probably heard him say to plenty of us, I'll sign your scholarship papers. You can transfer. I hope you find somewhere to go. You can be happy shoot 30 shots a game. You know? And I think that's what we're missing. And I think once we get back to that, I think, which we, we can't get to, and, you know, like, I don't know everyone on the staff, like that person, but I know Cody, who's awesome dude. Andy, awesome, man. I think we, we have the right coaches there, man, the right people in place now We're just among the guys to come together and kind of say, you know what? We dealt what we dealt, man. Let's go start punching people in the face. You know, like, we're not making shots. We'll, we'll get turnovers to get easy layups and get dunks and kind of get people to what they were turning South Florida over last night. I'm like, oh, that got to be us. You know, we can turn people over. That gives us easy offense. We we, we struggle setting up plays, and we struggle in half-court sets. That's how we were. We weren't good in half-court sets. So coach was like, you know, I don't want to call 100 plays. we got three plays. We're going to get it all pressing. We're going to steal. We're going to do this. And we're like, holy. When we play some teams they are like, Joey's faster than us guards. And people didn't really realize that until they played us. Like, this dude, we switched everything. Everyone can cover everybody. And we made it tough on you. And I think they do the same thing. But – I think some guys kind of fold a little bit when it's, you know, they haven't gotten, you know, scoring or they're not doing well. That's what kind of makes them struggle a bunch. So, but GP, man, I thank you so much for coming on with me, man. It's always a pleasure.
1: Dude, uh, I, I was happy when I got the text message from you. I, I'm always uh, happy to help you in any way. It's awesome to see you doing everything you're doing, doing so well. Like I said, real proud of you, brother. We'll do it again sometime.
0: Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it a lot, man. It means a lot. Thank you so much. Okay,